Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we turn to the book of Revelation to uncover some surety in the midst of a lot of mystery. As we continue our look into the history of prophecy, we explore what it looks like to discern and steward what we can and trust God with what we cannot. Unpacking the scriptures in Revelation, we find that we can be sure about what it means to overcome. Beyond that, we can trust that God is in control and His justice will prevail. The aim of prophecy is not to tell us what we cannot know, but to help us to steward what we can. So, Jesus is coming back, and He's going to set up His kingdom. And it's going to be awesome, and I so much look forward to it. Well, this uh, whole story culminates in Revelation of Jesus' return. And what I want to do is start today with... The uh, sorry, yeah, I did. Thank you. Uh, what I want to do is start today with the things that we can be sure about. Uh, as I've emphasized, and uh, in kind of in response to one of the questions that I got, uh, the, the the Jewish scholars were brilliant people, and they knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and they missed the sequence of Jesus's uh, advent. I don't think we're as smart as they were biblically. And I just don't think we can get very dogmatic about how this is going to pan out. But there's some things we can be really sure about. Turn with me to Revelation 22, if you would. We'll look at Revelation 22 and then the first part of Revelation. These parts I think we can be really sure about. This is the point of Revelation. Revelation 22, verse 7. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Let's flip back over to uh, chapter 1 of Revelation. Chapter 1 of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to the servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who does three things. Number one, reads. Number two, hears. How can you read something without hearing it? Read it silently. (laughs) You must read this out loud. What's he mean here? Reads. Understand it. Yeah, understand what it's saying. Read it, understand it, and keeps those things which are written for the time is near. How do you keep something that you read and understand? How do you keep it? Observe it. Do it. Read it, understand it, do it. That's what this is. Can you do the future? This is so we will be inspired now the way we live now. That's what this book is for. It's, I think one of the reasons, it's just in the human nature to figure out the system so you can kind of find a loophole and get what you want, right? If you have children, they do this, don't they? Those little bitty kids, they figure out that, you know, well, you didn't say I couldn't have a Rice Krispie treat. You just said I couldn't have a cookie. 
or whatever. You know, there's, there's, a, there's always legalism involved. And what we're not trying to do here is figure out how this system's going to work so we can figure out, okay, well, good. Well, then I can skate by right up until this point. That's not the idea here at all. The idea here is to live with a sense of urgency of Jesus' return at any time. Let's go back to 22. Verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, Revelation does not come in and overturn the overriding message in the Bible of salvation by grace through faith. But Revelation is written to who? Believers. Well, specifically who? The seven churches. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an epistle to churches. Churches are made up of believers. And some, some will say, well, yeah, but there's always some unbelievers. Well, maybe there might be some unbelievers in a, in a church. That's not, that's not the essence of this at all. And at the time this is written, unbelievers would not have gone to, ch- to church in order to get sell more insurance policies. It, there was a lot of persecution and so forth going on. To give everyone according to his work. This is about cause effect. There is an impact to everything we do in this life. And it's not just now. Although it is now, if we live an obedient life now, we get immense benefits from that. What are some of them? What are the benefits of walking in the Spirit? Peace. Yeah, peace instead of what? What's the opposite of peace? Turmoil, anxiety. Okay, what's another benefit of walking in the Spirit today? Okay. Now, that, that is a future benefit. Are you thinking about something right now? I'm talking about right now. Right now, yeah. Joy, okay. What's the opposite of joy? Wrath, sorrow, anxiety, okay. We like those things better, right? And so you get a current benefit. But there's all this current benefit compounds all the way into eternity. And we're supposed to live not only with today in mind, but with this imminence of Jesus' return in mind. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Everything's summed up in me. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. This is written to believers so that we will read, understand, obey. That part's really clear. There's just no, this absolute, Revelation is the simplest book that there is. It's super clear. Let me go through some of the things we really can know from Revelation. Verse uh, 1 3, we talk, we can know that we are to obey. Uh, let's look at chapter 3. This is kind of the culmination of the letters to the churches, which we don't have time to do today. But look at uh, verse 14 in chapter 3. There's seven letters to churches, and this is a letter to the church at Laodicea. By the way, Revelation was one of the last books admitted to the New Testament canon. And the church that held it up was the church at Laodicea. You'll see why here in a second. To the angel of the church at Laodicea write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I think the picture here is 
Um, <clears throat> Laodicea apparently had beautiful, wonderful spring water and uh, mineral baths. So you could go to the hot water and get healed, or you could drink and enjoy the cold water. But what happens if you take the cold mineral water that comes out of your tap and mix it with the you know, mineral water, you go take a Epsom salt bath in. What do you do with that? You get Midland water. <laughs> take a nice swig of that. What are you going to do? You're going to spit it out, right? Okay, I think that's the picture here. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, you're not useful. Okay? You're useless. And here's, here's the useless attitude. Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is the reality of America today. And I think... Uh, there's usually considered a historical sequence to these letters, a, a spirit of the age of different uh, uh, historical of, uh, eras. And this is kind of the spirit of our age. We've got become immensely wealthy as a nation and even as a world and say, yeah, we don't need God anymore. But the reality is we're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now the spirit of our age says, no, 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 we're all Okay. We're all okay. I mean, everything's fine. Uh, we, the only problem we have is we don't think enough of ourselves. Uh, they did a survey and discovered that the segment of the population with the highest self-esteem, prisoners. They think they're fine. But we really are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We're needy people in need of a Savior in need of dependence and obedience. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed. Gold refined in the fire are these works that we, that we live in. And if you walk in according to the things of Jesus, it is painful, and we get refined. Forgiveness is very painful to forgive someone. Uh, it is extremely painful to stand for what's true when everybody's trying to get you to do what's not true. It's very difficult. And that refines us and puts us into fire so that we can become pure. And we're naked. We just, we just don't have anything to offer. And in walking and hearing, sorry, reading, hearing, keeping, that's what clothes us in the righteousness of God. And uh, Dr. Rodmacher has this saying, there'll be a lot of bikini believers at the Bema standing before, you know, with everything burned up in, in our G-strings. And he says, don't, don't do that. You know, be clothed. I counsel you to buy from me uh, clothing so your nakedness won't be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Rebuking and chastening has gone out of favor in parenting in America. Have you noticed this? Well, God is a good parent, and He rebukes and chastens. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. I want to have a fellowship like with you, and I'm knocking, and I want to have it. I just need you to open the door. This is actually not a justification verse. It's a fellowship verse. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. 
So this is the future thing. So, hallelujah, the Lord has come. His kingdom is now of this world, and who's going to be reigning with Him? The overcomers. As I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. This is Philippians 2. Although he existed in the form of God, he didn't regard that something to be held on to, but he became obedient even to death on a cross and learned obedience in his life. And as a result, as a result, as a reward, his name was elevated above every name and he was enthroned. And Jesus says, I did that. Now, did Jesus accept Jesus as his Savior and believe Jesus in his heart? He did not do that, did he? That's not overcoming. What did Jesus overcome? Death. What did? What else did He overcome? Sin. Temptation. Just like we did, Scripture tells us. He overcame temptation in every way as, as we did. And instead of following the world's way, man's way, He said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking about man's thoughts, not God's. He followed God's way in perfect obedience. And he's asking us to do likewise. And he says, that's who's going to reign with me. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is clear. We can really understand this. This is imminent, and everything we do in this life absolutely matters for all of eternity. Some will overcome, some will not. And the ones who do get a reward beyond our imagination. We, we can say these words, but we won't really fully have the capacity to comprehend what this means. That we can be clear of. Another thing we can be clear of, looking at chapters 4 through 19, uh, which goes through the tribulation, which again we're not going to go into today, this seven years where the Bible tells us if God hadn't shortened it, the whole world would have been destroyed. That, you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. We can know that. And we can know that God's in control. That's really clear. Absolutely. It's going to turn out just like He said it's going to turn out. Another thing we can know is that justice is going to prevail. Uh, It's easy in our world to look at genocide going on in Africa and look at 40 million babies killed in our nation and look at all these different things going on even in our own lives. We think, well, why, what am I doing? What, what, am, I, what am I thinking? We can, we can look at all these things and say, something's wrong with this world. Why isn't it being made right? It will be made right. All things will be made right. And justice will prevail. One of the sort of amazing things that happens in Revelation is there's a group of martyrs underneath the altar in front of Jesus. And they turn around to Jesus and say, I got a question. Yes, yes, I call on you. He says, uh, how long are you going to wait before you avenge our deaths? Very interesting, huh? In heaven. So this that you know old phrase, time shall be no more. Well, in a sense that's true, and that we're not going to have an end to our lives. But in another sense, we're going to be very aware that time's marching on. And they're tired of waiting. And what do they want? Justice. Because justice is something deeply ingrained in us. We want it. And it's going to be given. Paul said, judge nothing before the time. 
Judge nothing before the time. Nobody's going to get away with anything. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. Andrew, you probably see injustice go on fairly often, don't you, being as a prosecutor? Yeah. And it probably bugs you, right? Yeah? Okay. And I suppose you probably have to say, deep breath, they're not going to get away with it. Uh, so we can be really confident that these are things we can really know. The sequence of how exactly it's going to, you know, when the battles are going to happen and which one's going to come first and who Gog is and who Magog is. I think it's interesting to speculate on all those things, and there's good books out there on that. I'm just trying to focus in on the things we can really know. We can really know that being an overcomer will absolutely be worth it. That we can really know. Now let's look at some actual events. Chitch. Uh, Turn to Revelation 19 with me. We'll look at the eagle has landed here. Except on earth. Chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Now I have to tell you, Dr. Anderson says that in the Hebrew, the white horse is not translated properly. He says it should be the white Harley. He's a big, he's a, he's a big motorcycle guy. So. Well, we'll just have to take his word for that. Behold a white horse, and him who sat on it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Okay? Again, I just want to stop for just a second. This idea that the Old Testament God was mean and the New Testament God was nice... Well, God is the same yesterday and today forever. And here He's coming. What's Jesus coming to do? Make war. The first time He came and He said, I didn't come even to judge. I came to make peace and to serve. This goes back to the justice thing. Judge nothing before the time. Overcomers are going to be issuing justice. Overcomers are those who agreed to serve in this life. It's a pattern for us. Verse 12, His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now I suppose that these are the same garments that God's asking us to buy as overcomers. And how do we buy those garments? Where are they sold? What store are they sold in? Store of obedience. <laughs> the store of good works. The store of trials. Of loving others who don't love you back. The store of serving your children who all they are just selfish, little selfish machines. <laughs> no. <laughs> It really is all about you then. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) And they followed him on white horses. Now, there's going to be animals in the millennial kingdom. And there are some strange and bizarre creatures in heaven right now that I'm really looking forward to getting to know. So, I I think uh, one of the fun things is going to be is uh, getting 
to interact with animals on the basis that we should be able to interact with them on. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. What does that mean, rule with a rod of iron? Justice. Justice. When is justice going to be done in this new reign? Always. It's going to be done always. There's not going to be any patronage system. There's not going to be any pay to play. There's not going to be any buy off the buy off the government officials by corrupt mafia dons. It's not going to happen. There's going to be righteousness and justice. And when justice is done, it's going to be done. He himself, Jesus, treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. He heard of the grapes of wrath. This is the grapes of wrath. How do you tread out grapes in this era? What do you do? Squish them with what? Your feet. Yeah. Do you see the picture? He's taking people that have sinned and, if you will, squishing them. He's taking the sins of the world and squishing them and getting them, getting them right. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Here's Jesus coming out of the sky. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.